0: This is episode two of the Now Is podcast. My name is Ben Remsen, and the idea of this podcast, at least for the time being, is to do a recorded version of the concept you might know from Downbeat Magazine's Blindfold Test or The Wire Magazine's Invisible Jukebox, to play tunes for musicians without telling them what they're about to hear and see what they have to say. What follows is a conversation I had with Olivia Block on August 6, 2015, in my living room in Rogers Park, Chicago. Olivia lives and works in Chicago where she creates electroacoustic sound compositions for performance, recordings, installations, cinema, orchestra, and chamber music concerts. The music you just heard is from the beginning of a piece called Heave Two Part One from the 2006 album Heave Two. At the end of the episode, you'll hear part of a piece called Opening Night from an album from 2013 called Karen. During the interview, My iTunes malfunctioned inexplicably several times, stopping and starting unbidden. I edited out several of these moments, but some couldn't be cut without losing valuable parts of the conversation. In fact, Olivia integrated this problem, as well as some other aspects of the sonic environment, into what we were discussing. This was thoughtful in the sense of making me feel better about the technical problems, as well as thoughtful in the sense of being really interesting. You can find the Now Is podcast in the iTunes store perhaps you already have. You can also stream it at nowis.org, N-O-W hyphen I-S dot O-R-G, where you'll also find information about all the tracks that I played for Olivia. To find out more about Olivia's recordings, upcoming concerts, and that sort of thing, check out her website, oliviablock.net, oliviabloc dot Okay, Olivia Block.
1: Because before the guitar came in, I wasn't sure who this was, but now it sounds like almost like US Maple or some like post punk band. But,
0: um. That's very close, but not great. Close. Um, same, I, same city era and general uh, scene.
1: Um, the drums kind of have me stumped actually yeah. I like them a lot I think they're really beautiful like the way that the bass is kind of distorted and I'm like as I'm listening to them I'm wondering what they would what this would sound like if there was like a subwoofer in here sure can you imagine it would sound amazing I'll give you a hand okay yeah give me a hand
0: it's somebody uh, it's Primary, the primary creator of it is somebody that you know, and somebody who I understand to be important for your connections to Chicago music scene.
1: Is it Gastron Soul then? Close,
0: close enough. It's, okay. um, it's the Brees Glass album. I don't know oh, if that's pronounced Brace right. Oh, it's Glass. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. This yeah, is yeah. One of the yeah. Later, later tracks
0: on that album. Nice. Yeah, See,
1: yeah, I haven't heard Breeze Glass in a long time. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice, yeah. So great. I
0: actually don't even know, I'm not even sure if that's fully live drums. I mean, it's obviously, they recorded live drums, but it may be significantly manipulated.
1: Probably, yeah. yeah. It's it's amazing. It's so nice to hear this. Yeah. Wow.
0: Um, yeah, it's sort of like a, a rock vocabulary being used in an yeah. experimental kind of setting.
1: Yeah. Well, he was doing a lot of that back then. I mean, I feel like... Um, there was a time when, like, anything that Jim O'Rourke was doing was just so fascinating because he was doing that a right. lot, you know, and, right. he, and when I first came to Chicago, he was still here, yeah. and, um, and yeah, like, I, I met him when I first came here, which was just kind of like a stroke of luck, Yeah, yeah, yeah. and got, I'm just lucky enough to see a bunch of uh, shows that he was doing, like, both solo and, and yeah. with other people, and um, just the way that he would... I mean, this is, this is actually a really good um, example of what I like about his work because like, he would just, like his studio techniques were so, um, like just subtle, like some, some of the things that he would do, like the, the way that he would combine acoustic instruments with these subtle studio techniques were just really beautiful, like just the balance between those two elements I always really liked. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, some of those, like the Gastrodel soul records are just masterpiece records. In yeah, I, know, I, like, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah, just like the orchestration all, yeah. just like the, the way that yeah. there's there's sort of concrete elements. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. That cut actually does happen. The one before was my like <laughs> iTunes being weird. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You yeah. never know. With some of these things. Yeah, <laughs> yes. he's listed on the credits here as being the recomposer.
1: Yeah, interesting. Of this,
0: which is kind of a kind of a cool move.
1: Yeah, and you wonder what that means. You just yeah. have no idea. Okay, so you hear like field recordings, and there's a large, like a wide stereo field. It could be Luke Ferrari, it could be um, Lionel Marchetti, maybe, it could be... Um...
0: You want me to tell you? Or you no,
1: want no, to... no. Keep Just let it roll. Sure. Yeah. But it sounds like, it's interesting because it sounds less concrete than those things. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, because the field recordings are running longer than they would be if it was like, I mean, my idea of like what, for instance, Luke Ferrari is, like his stuff is like chopped up a lot more, or Lionel Marchetti. Sure. Um, but I hear French, and, and I hear... <laughs> Who is it? I'm curious. It's Luke Ferrari. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Which, which record?
0: Uh, it is called, uh, it's one of the press Korean pieces. Oh, press Korean number that's four. That's classic, yeah. It's, um, it's a
1: beautiful, um, it's a beautiful record. Like, uh, it's funny how I, I don't, I've heard, I have this record, and I didn't recognize this as being Press Korean, but um, this is always something that I would play for students and things. It's just a, a cla- like the way that he... What
0: are you hoping for them to hear?
1: I just like that the the way that he uses language first of all like the 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 way that he uses depth of field like you can um really get a sense of uh space when you listen to him both in terms of like the stereo field but also in terms of like things moving back and and towards a speaker, which is really interesting I think that you don't usually get that so i I feel like There are times when things are just right on the surface of the speaker, like now, like even just the way that he's like positioning mics Mm -hmm. uh, to take a recording. Mm -hmm. Um, I get the sense that he is really aware that there might be something going on in the background while he's like maybe micing something right in the foreground. So I find that it's totally cinematic. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's very, it's it's kind of like, um, it's a good thing to play for people because it, yeah, and then he does stuff like that, which is just like totally you know, like, he'll, he'll put these little implants in that are just completely electronic, and it's yeah. just, like...
0: Did what What function do you think that sort of <clears> thing <throat> serves, like, to draw out the artifice of it or something?
1: Um, I think that, yeah, I think that there's that. I think it's just absurd and kind of humorous. I, I feel like, uh, Ferrari was, had a lot of humor in his work, you know, like, he was, he was, I feel like there's, like, playfulness and humor, um... And I feel like it's a it's a way to yeah to gradually lead the listener out of like the the natural sort of um, the field recording content of the language and into this weird it has it has a similar um, like those sounds that, that he just brought in those those electronic sounds have similar kind of cadences as the language does, but they're obviously not the language maybe they were at one point, like they start they originated as language, but he just you know. Uh, manipulated them a lot. It's still to me it's very much related to like cinema and, and the way like sound is used in cinema because um, there's a, another French composer Michel Chion, who writes about sound and cinema a lot and he talks about all these different kinds like sort of categorizes listening types and so I think that um, what Ferrari does really well is he is leading the listener into different types of listening like he's he's at first it's like this um diegetic thing where you're listening for like what's what is that like i'm trying to figure out like who's talking is that a per- like where is this person where is the it's almost like ethnographic in a way like you're trying to get a sense of your surroundings and then when he inserts these weird electronic sounds then all of a sudden you you're shifted into this different kind of listening where you're Listening for texture, for music, or something other than like language. So it's just kind of an interesting cognitive shift.
0: Although, is that cinematic thing you're describing uh, in contrast to what you were saying at first when you didn't know what it was, which was that it would be more concrete so that it's more like shorter cuts, sort of. um, has less of sort of like a scenic or whatever you know kind of feels less like a a a dramatic sort of thrust and more a more disoriented
1: or something you mean like like if it were to be cut up more like what do you mean that
0: would be i mean i imagine that being less cinematic although maybe that's not
1: it can be although i think in, in some ways like the juxtaposition of different kinds of of sound spaces is also very cinematic and if you think about jump cuts like Mm -hmm. that's very French I mean you're talking about Godard you know like so in a way that those those cuts are are also some kind of nod to like new wave cinema you know so it's it's also very cinematic I just think the way that 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 these French concrete composers use you know um spaces and sound it's it's just it's much more about like it's not really to me it's not really about concrete sounds, it's about like spaces atmospheres that they're they're drawing upon and they're like placing against other things and and so it's just um you know, all these guys started in radio like that was like the how they that was their the lineage was like from radio and which I think is really interesting, so it's just not even about like tonality or, or any kind of um, language like that that's in the, the sort of western canon which I find really interesting
0: When these sorts of bits or field recordings are edited together mm-hmm. I often wonder how conscious the sort of particular the particularities of the overdubbing is mm-hmm. versus how much of it is you know aleatoric, like let's just start these two things at this time and just see how they combine.
1: My guess is that it starts out as aleatoric and then it's highly, highly edited. Yeah. So I, I get the sense that, that, that at the end of these pieces, I mean, this is a very sculpted-sounding piece yeah. to me. Like, And I feel like Luke Ferrari was a masterful composer. Like, he was just, you know, the, the arcs yeah. in this piece are just, like, the timing, the pacing, everything is just, again, it's kind of like cinema in that way. So I think there's definitely a lot of intentional probably editing once everything is said and done at the end of his pieces, for sure. It's, yeah, it's fun to listen to this.
0: Do you think that because you make music that in some ways resembles this, that you're more attuned than the average person when walking down the street or whatever, or just being in any kind of sonic environment to, like, what if, you know, is this music? Should I make this into music? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like, um... It's not really a question of like being somewhere and asking myself like like if it's music or not it's sort of more like um I mean if you probably whoever's listening to this right now can hear that there's like bugs in the background here which I That's see. right which they might assume is <laughs> as part of the Ferrari piece that's a good right. Yeah, not yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's
0: really great. listener beware there's a lot
1: of cicadas outside it's <laughs> but currently I mean, August. That. In Chicago, I mean, that. But think about how much that going to inform whoever's listening to this that's going to tell them so much and give them so much information that they wouldn't have had otherwise it's going to give them like you know that, that's that's much more interesting that makes this interview much richer in my opinion so it's, I, it's you know it's just more about noticing things really um, yeah I think so I think so yeah it does sound exact. It just sounds like it's part of the teaser. Really you just stop it yeah, and yeah, it's like, it yeah, 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 yeah. still happening. Sounds like it's part of the piece. Have I worked with, I forget. Um, tell me, tell me.
0: Jason Muskily.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, great. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, this is great. Cool. Which one, what is it? It's which an which album
0: one? with um, Bob Rennie and Greg um,
1: Oh, it's a Nen Prime. Greg Kelly. Thing? And, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, mean, I was
0: like, I don't want to try to say that. I know. Nen Prime. Whatever. Oh,
1: this is great. Yeah. I've never heard this before. It sounds so good.
0: Yeah, the album's called uh, Love Me Two Times.
1: Oh, this is Love Me Two Times! Yeah, it's like a million, it's like three
0: hours long or something. Oh, yeah, this is so cool! Yeah, I actually
1: have heard this before, but it's been a long time. Oh, it sounds so great! Yeah, Yeah. I really like,
0: um, I guess one thing I was thinking I'd ask you about this is, I like that, you know, you frequently can't tell what might be being made by the horn overtimes versus the electronics. Um, I guess I wonder if, you think that that's a high priority in electroacoustic improv or not? They sort of blend.
1: Good question. I mean, I, I um, I'm just thinking about these three people in particular because I know all of them and, and wondering like what their approach would be. And I would probably say that I wouldn't I wouldn't guess that it would be a priority. I, I would say that they probably wouldn't use the word priority because all of them would be really uncomfortable with that term. Sure. <laughs> but like. But I think that yeah, I think that like being like uh, being oblique or will f- uh, sort of like obscuring things, like um, it's not not knowing what the sources are for things. That's definitely part of it for sure. Like, and I can hear it, and because I, I can't tell how this is being generated. Like, I have no idea, like how much editing is going into this or not. It's really interesting. Actually. Oh yeah, do
0: you have a sense of this is? A live recording, or yeah, or super, yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Is
1: it? What is it? Say? I, I'm not sure. Oh, okay.
0: I mean, it's on an it's on an album. Oh, I mean, it's not Paul a live album. Them. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you asked. Yeah,
1: them. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's a good question. But these these three um, musicians are just, you know, they all have a similar aesthetic in that way. I think so. It makes sense that that this would end up being sounding like that, like right be- in that edge of like not being able to tell what's what sort of because even when Nemprime plays acoustically the way that they're playing is almost just like electroacoustic music I mean it's, it's kind of amazing They're you know what they're doing and, and just know,
0: by, by virtue of their use of overtone yeah
1: well. the, yeah and just like their the use of of microphones, even like the way that like Greg Kelly uses a micro like bad microphones, is actually really genius. Like, he's, he gets right up on the microphone and he knows how to use distortion on bad microphones and things. So, both like, I think Bob and Greg are like really, really aware of like how um, to use amplification and how to like play with like what to play with amplification. So, they use breath a lot and, and stuff like that, which is. Which with Jason Leskely ends up sounding like some other electronic tone. And that's why this works so well. Yeah, this is great.
0: Another thing I was thinking from this is that a lot of this track, um, I mean, I just turned it down so it's not as clear, mm-hmm. but a lot of it yes. is very like, maximal. Oh, it feels yes. like a climax. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I thought of asking something about that based on, because that's set at the Hideout yeah. last, whatever that was in June. Yeah. Um, there was a large section that felt although it wasn't at the end yeah uh, that felt to me like it was that kind of like yeah. <sighs> kind of climax oh, that much. you were doing
1: yeah yeah it's funny because i i um i feel like that part of that set um i mean so the so the set you're talking about is the one that i did when i was opening for the wire right like yeah. with the with the so i was using this um this organ this really great like this uh, vintage organ. See, now you can hear, you can definitely hear like the horns and stuff here. Mm -hmm. But it still sounds so weird because of the way that they've placed it. Like the context is just so Mm -hmm. weird now. Um, Yeah, so I... I, uh, I use this Korg organ, and it's it, it's this remarkable organ because it has these overtone draw bars So every note that you play, you can like draw out the overtones really slowly, and so it just makes these incredible, just outrageous, extreme, you know, frequency changes in these notes. And and so, um, actually, you know, I would. I would go so far as to say that like some of that set was kind of influenced by Jason Leskely because there's a part in there where I was taking a lot of the low frequencies from that organ and purposefully using the interference of like white noise to make these sort of swishes in the room, and which is very much like in that... You know, I would say that he does that live a lot. He uses like extreme low frequencies, which is, I think, like what you're talking about. That that just ex- you know, you're, it's coming at I you. Believe the
0: word I used was <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. It's like it's like it's coming at you. It's like the sound yeah. is coming yeah. out at yeah. you. It's yeah. not just like you're sitting there on stage. It's right. like it's really like encroaching upon the audience, which I think is really interesting. And it's kind of like for some reason I'm thinking of this. Um, somebody told me this thing about fireworks once oh, you know, most people don't understand what fireworks are supposed to be. You know, they're supposed to be terrifying. Like, they're supposed to actually, like, be really close to you. They're supposed to come out at you. You know, you're supposed to be scared when you see fireworks. They're not supposed to be, like, these beautiful things. They that... seem like
0: they're supposed to be reminiscent of war or Right,
1: exactly. Like, that was, like, the origin. So I kind of feel like that about these sorts of sounds. Like, they're, t- they're kind of terrifying in a way. Like, they come out at you, and it's all about, like you know none of this kind of music work it's kind of interesting because none of this kind of music works that well when you're in a huge space like it's like better when you're in a smaller s- room so you feel this like claustrophobic feeling because all these huge waveforms are like just bouncing back and forth like these bassy you know sounds and then the swishing of the white noise. it's just like it's very um, claustrophobic almost. So yeah, I feel like that piece was definitely. For me, it was much more in that realm. Now this to me sounds like um, s- someone who's kind of like associated with like maybe even like Microstoria, Mouse on Mars, Marcus Pop kind of era. Am I right about that? No, someone? it's not those guys, but it's, t- but it's i, I associate it like, with them. Yeah, because um, of all the textures and the way like the instruments are coming in and out and um, the sort of glitchiness of it and the very like the, there's these kind of particular kinds of um, harmonies that are used in that kind of music that I recognize, you know what I mean? It's really beautiful, it's beautiful music.
0: Um, Yeah, I was partly wondering, I mean, we haven't gotten to talking about what it is yet, but I was partly actually wondering what you think about the idea of employing like. Straight up chord progressions in music like this, because that yeah. doesn't, that seems like mm-hmm. counterintuitively radical sometimes. Yeah, it does, the, doesn't it? Music. I
1: think it's I think it can work um, because of um, just it all depends on the context, you know. And and just as you were just saying, like it, it can, um, you know, taking these like. Um, Ideas from the canon of Western music can be actually pretty radical, and these kinds of um, these just uh, landscapes of, of of abstract textures. You know, if you place something like that in that um, context, it can be really strange and interesting. So yeah, I think, and I actually think that sometimes, um, you know, you when certain pieces have like chord pro- progressions in them even when that when it's not so much identifiable as that like it makes the piece somehow more focused or grounded like when you you might not like as a listener you might not know why that's happening but like just i think sometimes even just as a composer if you are intentional about what the harmony is going to be like there's a sense of like focus you know that you can't get if you're just being completely like doing chance kind of notes because the thing about it um, using any kind of tonality is that you can't you have to take responsibility for the power that 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 tonality has I mean it's just never gonna be like a like a textural sound it's always going to be different in, in everyone's mind. I don't
0: because know. of the sort of cultural weight? Yeah,
1: and Emotional so. baggage or something? Right, like yeah. yeah, exactly. And I and I think a lot of that is cultural and some of it might be, who knows, you know, everybody says it's like because the voice is in these certain frequency ranges or something. Do you not buy that? No. I have no idea, honestly. I think a lot of it is cultural, um, but, and, it, it, hey, it sounds good to me, and that theory makes a lot of sense to me, but I have no idea. I tend to be generally like c- skeptical of sort of like biological explanations for things sometimes yeah, I think like that's I don't know very why healthy. that's a very <laughs> you know, healthy like, yeah
0: i have friends with enough grad students to know that you're supposed <laughs> to think that oh that's good okay um yeah but <laughs>
1: and it's just it's so depressing like I don't want to be like reduced to, to that so it's probably yeah. just me being a baby or something no no
0: no <laughs> um I mean the track's already over I'm going to restart it because you okay. still did not get to guessing what it was yeah um, not that you have to do that immediately No,
1: to, but tell me who it is Well, so
0: it's even deeper It's really great that you said all that Because not only is it Finesse Oh, it's but Finesse it's a, Okay, yeah But it's, it's supposedly a Beach Boys cover
1: Oh, yeah, this is Endless this Summer is that, Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, It's not, it's, it's not Oh, it's so not Endless Summer Endless Summer okay.
0: I mean, I don't know the question. No,
1: because it's not Endless Summer Yeah, Endless yeah. Summer So
0: Endless Summer obviously is the name of a Beach Boys song So I'm not right. sure of the full really programmatic relationship of that album is Yeah to this, But this is a a seven inch that came out, I think, right before that, or maybe, or at least a little bit before 98. Uh, and this is supposedly Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder.
1: Oh, that's so interesting.
0: Which I don't, I mean, I guess the chords are kind of
1: related. Yeah, no, it would be really interesting to play them back to back,
0: yeah, or to try to sing the melody over, over it. <laughs>
1: um. So I wonder, does Finesse play guitar too? He does, he said, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That. So he's I've playing never guitar. Seen him live, but... I mean it would be it would be very interesting to know like how he constructs this stuff. And that's always like now where my mind goes is um, when I listen to this stuff it's just like, oh, how did they make how did he make this? It's never just like yeah. it's it's always just like boring questions about like <laughs> technique yeah. or like, you know. Does that diminish <clears throat> your ability to enjoy it? Um, no, I, I can't enjoy anything, jo- and <laughs> it's just like, no, I mean, not in, a bad, not in a sad way, don't be sad for me.
0: Uh- <laughs> gonna be, if you can't enjoy anything, I think I'm going to go ahead and be sad for you.
1: <laughs> no, I can enjoy things, it's just, um, I don't know, it's that's such a weird, you know, no, I mean it's, no, I'll, well, I'll put it to you this way, I mean, um, it's very difficult for me to separate, yeah I mean it's difficult for me to like separate my own kind of urge to know, to, to like dissect things and to know what's inside of something like yeah that does kind of get in the way of enjoying something yeah. but I, what, that's enjoyable I mean right, yeah. isn't that? No I just I think that the, one of the enjoyable things now for me is to to understand how a piece is constructed is like it's what goes into making it and it's not just about like letting the music wash over me as much anymore you know mm-hmm. it's about and so i get something out of that it's not like i don't enjoy that right right it's just yeah There's different it's just a different enjoyment yes exactly I'm, I'm, okay i'm not i'm not a sad, I'm not <laughs> don't a sad, be sad. that's no. what i'm saying yeah I'm right, right. now this is jim o'rourke right yep. no it's not i know this like well who is this i know this like i've heard this so many times but I can't identify it.
0: Cool. it changes quite a bit, you know, pretty soon. But
1: this isn't like the beginning of it, is it? This is the Oh, of it is, okay. Oh, God, what is this? Oh, it's the Marion Amache. What is that? Is it Amache? Yeah. yeah. Amache? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shows, um, shows
0: me I had no idea how to pronounce how to say <laughs> that. I would have said I was like, no, it's a macher.
1: A I admit to be.
0: being ignorant That's to the whole okay. internet.
1: I don't know if I'm pronouncing. I'm you just a, you probably are. Um, how did you get this? Wait, how did you get a recording of this? Is this a released piece? It is, it is, oh. and I was
0: actually, I was going to ask you about, oh. the, why have you, because it was an installation.
1: Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've seen, I've heard this and seen this. Um, I was so fortunate. You get on these festival circuits when you do, when you're on tour, and sometimes the same people will sort of crop up on the your festival circuit, and I was lucky enough at one point to... Um, to have Marianne Emoche be on that circuit. So I got to actually experience this piece multiple times in multiple mm-hmm. spaces, which was amazing. It was so great because it I mean, this piece, she turns. first of all, she turns it up incredibly loud. Like it's just like, it makes your ears bleed. Like you have to like hold your ears, but it's so important to the piece because it really is like you just move around the space and it completely, it's like inside your body, it's in Mm -hmm. your ears, it's like, it's incredible. Yeah, I read that it's supposed to
0: feel like it's coming out of your skull and moving outward through your ears.
1: And you know, the most amazing thing about, about seeing that it was seeing her sound check in like oh. that was like the coolest what, thing. It, what
0: would what happen then?
1: It was just like her sound checks first of all were like two days long okay. which I totally appreciated <laughs> <That's pretty laughs> cool, yeah. like, and it was just like a known thing that she would just have these two day long sound checks and everybody else would just get like a line check at the end but yeah. it's Mare and so it's like okay you take your line check um, but she just spends all of this time in a space walking around and just moving speakers and, and it's completely like an intuitive thing. Like she was just like sensing, like getting a sense of like the room, like understanding where corners of sort of like resonant frequency interest were. And like, it was just really great. Like she, she was just um, so focused and so like unapologetic about all of the time that she had to spend doing that. And yeah, just like the, the purity of those tones, they just like even just listening to it in, in stereo it kind of bores into your skull. Kinda, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. it's um she was wow, she was really something yeah. yeah so
0: this is one of um the only albums uh, that uh, as far as I know that yeah. she's she ever that released. She ever was okay with releasing, um, right? Yeah. And you know and that was precisely as you say, she wanted to have right. control of the sound environment. Yeah. So I guess I'm wondering do you as some you've done sound installations have yeah. you been con- considered releasing them and not done so or is that are yeah. you guys feel as picky about that
1: oh i'm picky yeah i'm definitely picky There are certain things that i feel like need to be experienced in multiple speakers in a space it kind of depends on the points the purpose of the piece you know i mean even the 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 piece that i have just now coming out called aberration of light was um, was a soundtrack that was multiple channels, and it was actually very Marianne Amache-ish in my presentation of it, because I would just mix it live, and I would sort of tune it to every room that I would go to, so it was like in these cinema spaces, and that, um, I went back and forth about whether to do a stereo version of that piece, because like, for me, that piece was so much about like being in a space, and like, it starts out with this really low rumbling, and then this white noise kind of comes in really, really slowly, and the white noise is sort of, like I would tune it to the sort of um, room sound almost, like the ventilation of the room, so that the the sort of illusion that I would create was that it would just seep out of the walls really slowly, and so that the, the spectators and listeners would not be able to necessarily, know when they would start to hear a sound at all. So it was just like this very slow, like it was almost like just perception itself was like being questioned. And um, that uh, process really required um, the dimensions of like frontness and backness and being in particular spaces that these these um, sounds were tuned to, which I feel like is also very true of Marianne Amache. Um, but, you know, I wonder, I, I changed the piece, uh, Aberration of Light, so that it would sort of fit better in a stereo format, and, and I think that that's probably what she did, too. Yeah. Like, she just edited it, and, and I mean, this piece sounds, it sounded great. Like, those tones sound amazing, you know? So she probably knew that this piece sounds good in a stereo format, yeah. even though it's not going to represent what right.
0: she... It would also probably sound a lot better if we were cranking it so loud we could right. talk over it. Exactly.
1: So. I mean this it's incredible. I remember being in festivals with her and you know I don't know how old she was but I remember like young people like electronic like hardcore electronic music people like in the green room just being like that crazy lady with the set like she's turning her music up so loud. I can't, <laughs> like she was just like the most like hardcore person in these festivals you know like in terms of like dynamics
0: nice. that's her, uh, st- her yeah. motorcycle driven <laughs> by she's that hardcore okay <laughs> should we go into the next
1: one? yeah yeah no. So that's these are number stations, right? Of course, yeah. Oh, Daniel must have told you to play this, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man!
0: I heard a rumor you're into this. Time.
1: I love, I love shortwave. I'm so into and it right so, now. So so why? Well, listen to this. It's so fucked up. I mean, what is like? This is so incredible. Like, what? I mean. Okay. Well, there's a lot of reasons. Just because. Um, there's a there's the sort of mythology around these sounds like nobody knows what they really are but that apparently they are, you know, they're sort of like spy broadcasts which apparently is the kind of, is like not an urban legend like that's apparently like a true thing. That's you what know? I read. Yeah. yeah. Um Which I think is fascinating and just the the just the way that the just like the repetition of the numbers. um so that you can't tell if it's, like, automated or if it's, like, a person that's actually reading the numbers. And also just the sense of, like, um, they sound very distant, you know, like, with the interference. The interference sort of, like, makes the sort of eerie distance, like, really effective. And then there's these weird tones that they have. Like, everyone has its—and I don't know what the—like— the fascinating thing about these is like apparently, like you know, all of these things has um, a message. You know, everything. It's very like a, there's like a motif to all of these sounds. Like every number, every tone. Like so, I, who knows what these little melodies mean or what they're broadcasting or whatever. But but they're so um, just this just the repetition and the strangest strangeness and the eeriness. And just the fact that um, that you don't know where to find these, like you, they're in between frequencies on the on the dial, so you have to like look for them, and they and so if you, I mean, there's still some number stage broadcasts happening, and when you find one on a short wave, it's like it's amazing. I mean, you're so I'm like you've been doing that? yeah yeah yeah. so you're
0: not you're not because this is from a, a this compilation. is old
1: right yeah this is from the er, the. Uh, Ur-di- uh, yeah, that's yeah. the name of yeah, the, that's
0: the. name of the label. Yeah, it's called the Conette project or yeah, the, the Conet, project? Yeah, they've
1: collected a lot of really good recordings. Yeah, they're still apparently um, trying to think of who still uses. Uh, oh, Cuba, I think apparently still has number cool. broadcasts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've heard I've heard um, like phonetic alphabet being read you know in certain stations like in a someone with like an eastern european accent and i have recordings of that and then there are certain um stations where you hear things like this just like weird tones that just kind of sound like lonely synth tones and i don't know what those are but they're just amazing um <laughs> would you ever like record them and use it in a piece Okay. Yeah, I mean I'm trying to sort of figure out, um, I'm really interested in a, in a very particular time period in history, especially in America, like, which is like sort of post-World War II, so I'm like collecting a lot of material from that time, and, and I would classify these recordings as kind of like part of that time period, so um, I have like 35 millimeter slides and, and some other materials that that I would like to sort of combine with some of these sounds in some way, but I'm not sure how because it's just like these sounds are so Incredible in their original form. It's almost just like and You can't do anything better than than the way that they're already presented, (laughs) you know, just the fact that They're kind of like
0: accidental art music.
1: Yeah, exactly And they're just so you know, and you have the way that you have to find them is so great and stuff So I don't know I would have to I would have to be very careful about using them. But I think that they're there's a period of time when I was like kind of obsessed with like a wave and I mean listen to this. Yeah, it's this fantastic. This, like,
0: like this thing that sounds like it's
1: music. What is this? It's like an like yeah it's piece. There's a scale, right. Yeah. And it's a recording. I mean it's like a recording of a of really warped recording. Like why is it warped? Why? Right. <laughs> why? What does that mean? Like does that mean something? I mean Yeah, it's easy to imagine somewhere
0: at the base of this is somebody is, like, some avant-garde composer or something.
1: (laughs) having some fun with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what is this? Do they know that these things sound creepy? Like, is that part of it? Is that, like, part of the sort of, like, the psyops of it? Like, is that, like, I don't know. But it's just incredible. Like... Uh. (laughs) <laughs> um, so this sounds like someone manipulating turntables. Is this, um...
0: I think the answer is gonna be yes.
1: Wait, it's not, it's not, um... Is it someone that I've worked with? It's not someone I've worked I, with. Not, I mean, not that I know of, but maybe. Um... Well, then, is it Christian Marley Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's great. I love this.
0: What do you love about it?
1: Oh, it's just, like, I like that the that it's sort of intermittent, and I like the sound of, like, the low... I like the sound of strings on vinyl, actually. Like, I think it's, like, when they're slowed down, they sound really beautiful, and, like, the... The atmosphere of the um, static on on top sounds really beautiful, and he's always really good about like using that static. You know, like the atmosphere of the of the record itself, and just like the you know the sound of when it like is cutting out and coming back on is really beautiful. It's just like that. There's just something about vinyl records that just is. The the sort of incidental phonographic sounds, you know, the epiphonographic sounds, like the things on top of the music are just, to me, like way more beautiful than many other of the mediums that I can think of. It's just something about like vinyl that I just think like the static is really beautiful, you know. And so that's why I like... A friend
0: of mine calls it, uh, some of those sounds, uh, frying bacon.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's just like... Yeah, I mean, and of course, like, his, I mean, the sources that he's using are so interesting. Like, it's just unlike anything anyone else does with vinyl, you know?
0: What sort of sources are you using?
1: Well, just the sources of, like, this kind of instrumentation, like, that someone's using, you know, sort of, like, contemporary classical or jazz or, like, whatever. I don't know what the, what the... Original recording is, but just like piano and things like this, and and c- cutting it up in this, this way is really interesting.
0: Yeah, what it's is certainly an unusual approach to sampling. Yeah, it is. Um, it's great though. The piece is called Dust Breeding. Uh, I don't, I don't know what the source material is.
1: Does he ever say what it is?
0: Uh, I only have this digitally. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Okay. I don't either. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny, at first I thought this was um, this Japanese uh, turntable trio that I've worked with before Pump Bus Scratch, but they're heavily influenced by Christian Marclay. I mean like very very influenced by him.
0: Have you ever tried making music with like live dropping a needle or... Or something equivalent with another medium, tapes or CDs or
1: Yeah, I've definitely used, I use tapes a lot actually, okay. I, I use them now, I use cassettes a lot. Turntable I've never used, I would, I mean I, but you know, I, I feel like there are people that do that better than me. Like yeah. there's Maria Chavez, who's amazing, yeah. and she doesn't have any recordings out, but I wish she would come to she Chicago. I've seen her before. I didn't know yeah, she sh- didn't have any reports. I don't think she does. I don't, I'm not sure. She tries not to, but like, she, her live, I <laughs> Secret mean... Secret bootlegs.
0: Like, yeah, she's just like
1: very into like live, that's her thing. Like okay. she, And so she's kind of like, almost like a DJ, but she's just using all these abstract sources. And sure. she's amazing. Like, she just has all these techniques. So I feel like there's just people who are like, so adept at this, this whole thing that I just, am like, okay, I don't, don't want to, that's like a territory I don't want to try. Sure. Um, but, but tapes I feel a little bit more, like, comfortable using for some think reason. Do you any reason or just good? I think it's just because, like, I I don't know, actually. It's just because, you know why? No, I do know. It's because I can, um, have control over what's on the tape. That's why. So I record like textures and things on the tape, and then the manipulate the like the manipulation of those sounds on the tape is like I know sort of what is going to happen because they're my sounds in a sure. way. So I, if I could do that more easily on vinyl, I would use vinyl, you know. But the fact that it's it's always going to be you're always going to be sampling something. Sure, so, sure, sure. That's a whole other thing that's, like, unless you're, like, one of those people who's, like, pressing your own records or, like, which is, which like... Which is not realistic, i sure, yeah, yeah. exactly. Have you,
0: do you, have you not worked with samples, I mean, you work with recordings of other people playing music, but have you not worked with samples that, of someone else's commercially released music before?
1: Not. Gosh, I've got to think about and that.
0: And if not, is that very intentional or just the way it's come to pass?
1: Um... I'm trying to think if I have. I don't think I have. And yeah, I would say it's intentional. Not, it's not intentional that I avoid it. But I would say that if I did it, it would be make me uncomfortable. So that's why I avoid it. Why would? <laughs> Which it be? Is yeah, the same that's a good thing. reason. That's
0: a good reason. It's being intentional. But why? Yeah, why would that make you uncomfortable?
1: Oh, just because I feel like I there's so much that I would have to take responsibility for. Like there's like a lot of history and all of those samples and I I feel like I would have to back it up with some reason. Whereas you know what I mean? Like sure. and 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 so and I actually I probably wouldn't. It's probably just something in my own mind, but it makes it feels like there's a lot of weight, like a burden that comes along with that if you have to be like really responsible for this material or something.
0: Well it sounds like when you're talking about the idea of making a piece with uh, the number station recordings—that's mm-hmm. somewhere in a gray area between it because is. it is something someone else made without ever knowing that you were going to exist or use it. True, but it's not something that was their completed commercial work.
1: Right, I love sampled sounds. Like I think that they're like when people use samples right, it's a, it's very very powerful. And I've heard, you know, like. I guess it's like the newer like even like vaporwave or all like those new kinds of like music where people are like using like old commercials and things like that's actually kind of amazing like it's just like these these sounds that i would never think to use in in sort of like concrete music and and weaving them in and it's kind of like has this effect of of it's very like overwhelming like all of those sounds in that context and So I feel like when people do use samples and they're good at it, it can be incredibly effective. But I'm just not one of those people, so I don't do it that much. Yeah.
0: Well, this is the last one I got, and it's relevant to what we were talking about. So speaking of using samples from things that were made to be released, but not to be fully seen as art.
1: Okay, cool, this is very intriguing. Is this um, William Smith? Is this like what is this? Yeah. It's people you uh, I
0: believe you've also worked with, and I think, fairly recently. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? At least you certainly know.
1: Uh, I have no <laughs> idea who this is. It's Matma. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I've never I've never worked with them, but yeah, oh, I, like, I, I you know them. No, you yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean they're they're so awesome. Okay, no, this totally makes sense because because of the humor. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah.
1: They're they're yeah.
0: I was especially kind of curious what you think of like the humor and also just sort of like the the humor slash like fun generated by like coupling this with like a straight up like you know dance party.
1: I love it. I think it's. I think it's great, and it's. Um, I mean, it. I can't actually now separate. Oh my God! Listen to those frequencies. Holy cow! Um, it's funny because now that I have met them, or at least you know, talked to them a little bit, like I can't separate that a sort of instinct from what I know of them personally, and they're seriously like some of the nicest most generous people like uh, in their community and where they live so it's just to me it's sort of like part of that like they're just like um, generous and exuberant people and so the music sounds like that too so it's really cool it's like a sort of a reflection of of how I feel like they are as people and I I, I I think it's hilarious like they're just like overlaying A straight beat on top of it, it's almost just like these two things happening simultaneously for a while before they're even like, yeah, having any kind of a conversation with each other. Well, they are the
0: the spoken part is in rhythm with it, yeah, it's edited, or maybe the piece is made to be, um, and there's other rhythmic things. So, this piece is called or the track, whatever the tune is called, Spandi, oh. and it's, uh, Spandi is, you know, in an, um, prosody analysis of, like, mm-hmm. poetry is a word where the two syllables have equal stress, ah. and each of the words that they say at the beginning are examples of, you know, railroad, right. lunchbox, whatever. Yeah, 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 Um, so there is a sort of, like, <laughs> very funny. playful, but also very, like, sort of almost, like, programmatic, uh, right. relationship between, to some extent, between the music and the, um.
1: Right, interesting
0: the use of the found materials.
1: Yeah. Well, they're smart. You know? I mean, it's just like you get... There's always, like, something else happening under, like, yeah. some reason why they're why they're doing what they're doing. And this is know? also
0: from that album that has... This is the album that's all made from medical content. Yes. Uh, a chance to cut is a chance to cure.
1: Right. That was like, uh, when was that released? Like, a, uh, I
0: should have the year right at my, the ready, I think it's around 2000. Yeah. I don't have that makes right sense. Here. I think yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Have you ever tried making something as like exuberant or fun as anything like this? I
1: don't even know if I, I can. I yeah. think like even if I tried, like it would sound sad or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: just, why like, is that? Yeah. Why is that, is that? I, your,
1: <laughs> because I just, uh, I just don't know if it, if I have that capability. I, like this, that's just not what comes out. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, it's not that I'm like a sad person all the time. I, I certainly have my own exuberant moments, but like, yeah. that's just not. You know, everybody yeah. has their sensibility, and, and it's like you can't help it. Whatever it is, it's um, it's just like part of your DNA or something. Sure. I, so I think if I tried to do something playful, it would just sound, I don't know what it would sound like. Maybe I should try yeah. and see. Could be interesting.
0: <laughs> do you think of the music you're making as having emotional content?
1: I do. Um, I think that anytime that I make something, it will always have emotional content, because I am a pretty emotional person, so like that will come out no matter what. So I try actually to focus on other stuff. So because if I just focused on emotional content, it would be like my music would just be way overwrought. It would just be all emotion and nothing else. So I feel like, um, What do you focus on instead? Um, composition, compositional elements basically. Yeah, I realize that's a big Editing, but no, no, no. That's a great question. Actually, it's a hard question to answer. because this is a thing like I mean it's hard it's a weird sort of strategy to like not to resist the thing that you most want to be that you're the most drawn to in your own work like that's kind of a weird thing to do I think so I I focus on things that I can sort of consciously think about instead of like being seduced by uh, my own work in a way if that makes sense like that because I feel like emotional elements of one of music are very seductive and so if I have like pretty chords or something like that I can be just as drawn in by those things as other people and then if if that instinct leads me in my work then the work won't be very good in the end I mean it'll sound good to me in that moment but if I don't consciously think about the structure of the piece instead, then it it won't be a good place.